Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Uh, we've got kind of a fun show for you this week, uh, taking a little break from the heavy-duty stuff of the intel from last week and all the uh, light-your-hair-on-fire stuff <laughs> around basically every computerized object ever created for the last 20 years. And uh, we got we got a few just kind of random stories this week that are interesting or funny. And uh, at the end of the week, as always, a great tip of the week based on some of the stuff we're going to talk about. So uh, let's dive right in. First up, the uh, Consumer Electronics Show was last week. Uh, something that is on my bucket list. Something somehow, some way, I will get to one of these days. Uh, I know it's just a total circus and a madhouse, but I'd love to get there. I'm a big kind of a tech junkie, so uh, would <laughs> would love to have. Uh, uh, had that experience and just see what that's all about. Uh, one of the many things announced at CES last week, there's always so many really cool gadgets and things coming out, uh, was a press release about WPA3. I know you're all saying, what is that? Uh, when you connect to Wi-Fi, uh, there are various encryption and security protocols that could be used to protect that uh, over the air connection is out and because it's not wired, you're transmitting over the air. Anybody nearby with the right kind of radio can see what you're doing. Right. Um, it's, so we have these protocols, these encryption technologies and other protection, uh, techniques that help to try to keep that private so that no one else around can be sniffing, sniffing around and seeing what you're doing. Back in the old days, it, we had nothing. When Wi-Fi was start, first starting to come around, there's password lists, and it was just wide open, and anybody nearby with the same Wi-Fi on the same Wi-Fi could watch whatever you were doing. So they came up with this thing called uh, WEP or Wired Equivalent Protection or something like that. WEP, um, and it was the idea being to encrypt your over-the-air traffic so that nobody could see it. So it's just like being wired. Well, it wasn't. It was cracked pretty quickly. Uh, and the, and so they came out with another one called WPA wired wireless protected access, I think is what WPA was. Uh, and that was eventually broken too. And then they came out with WPA two, and that's actually what we've been living with for about the last 14 years. Uh, it's been around that long. And if you recall, we talked about this on the program, there was a crack attack, K R A C K, uh, which found some vulnerabilities in WPA two. And it was, it was built right into the spec. It was actually, it was not really a bug per se. It was, it was a feature, but if you abuse this feature in a certain way, then you could figure out what the encryption keys were and start seeing the supposedly private traffic going over the airwaves. Uh, we fixed that. And with the software patches, we managed to, to, to mitigate all those issues, but WPA has been around, WPA two has been around for a really long time. So that brings us to WPA three. So let me just uh, actually read you a couple of things from this article from Sophos, the Naked Security blog, a great blog uh, about security. Here are the, some of the here were the four enhancements that they they mentioned from the article. Uh, uh, one, brute force resistance. There will be protection against brute force attacks on Wi-Fi passwords. In the future, authentication will be blocked after several unsuccessful attempts. This should, in theory, help to limit the exposure caused by weak passwords. So, weak passwords. So if you've got a really crappy password. And there's no limits on how many times you can guess. Well, the bad guys can just guess a whole bunch of them really quickly to find the right one. And that's what we mean by a brute force attack. So if you limit the number of uh, guesses that can be made before you're shut out or maybe force you to wait longer in between your guesses, uh, that makes brute force attacks really hard. All right. Number two, IoT support. Uh, Wi-Fi devices will be easier to configure using smartphones, a nod to the massive growth of the Internet of Things hardware using Wi-Fi that could cause major problems if not set up correctly. 
So yes, we've talked about this many times on the program. IoT security is generally horrible. And just from a practical standpoint, it is hard to get these things set up. It's, it's kind of a pain in the butt. They've gotten better at it, um, but it will be really nice if the WPA standard has something built in to make it even easier. All right, number three, stronger encryption. Government and business networks will gain access to, quote, a 192-bit security suite aligned with the commercial national security algorithm uh, suite from the Committee on National Security Systems, unquote. This implements technical encryption changes required by the U.S. government. So that, that's pretty vague. We don't know what that's going to be yet, but that'll be very important. So we'll see what that what they, uh, what they that ends up being. Though I don't really think currently that the, the bit length of the key for our encryption is currently the problem, but it's always good to improve it because things always get better. So you always kind of keep have to crank that knob up over time. And the fourth one, they said, is safer public Wi-Fi. Uh, the announcement mentions, quote, strengthening user privacy and open networks through individualized data encryption, unquote, although it's not absolutely clear what that refers to. So they speculate in this article that maybe it means that um, even on passwordless systems, uh, the WPA standard will still have this little kind of a handshaking and encryption protocol where each person that attaches to the Wi-Fi gets a private channel with a private key uh, and there actually are ways to negotiate those keys out in the open without someone be able to sniff them and pick it up. It's pretty, pretty clever, but it's way too technical for me to get into here uh, right now. So anyway, the, the bottom line here is that they're trying, uh, they're on the verge of releasing a new spec. Uh, it, it will probably be two or three years before this is really ubiquitous. It takes a long time for these things to roll out. We'll probably need new hardware uh, to support these things. So some of these things might be, we might be able to support just with software updates. We'll see. Um, but, uh, you know. The problem really here, for as far as I'm concerned, uh, is that this is all being done as a private proprietary system. And part of the reason we had the crack attack last year from WPA2 is that it was done. These specs are not transparent. They're not being you know, normal security. Best practices are that they're open and anybody can see what the protocols are, see what the algorithms are. And uh, the really smart people out there that do this for a living can try to beat it up and vet it and make sure that there's no problems. Uh, and that has not been done with these specs. Uh, so it's really hard for independent bodies to evaluate them uh, to see if they're any good. So I don't know, we'll see. But if hopefully these guys will get smart and at least uh, open this up to uh, some security researchers to, to to beat up on and see if they can find any problems before it goes widespread. But it's, in general speaking, it's good news. This WPA3 is, hopefully, if they do it right, will certainly be better than what WPA2, and that'll get us through the next, who knows, 10 years or so. In other news, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency uh, has unveiled some new restrictions on border searches. Uh, that is certainly welcome. Uh, let me just quote the article here real quick, and then I'll give you my commentary. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents need to have, quote, reasonable suspicion, unquote, to carry out, quote, advanced, unquote, searches on electronic devices, including smartphones and tablets that belong to individuals entering or exiting the country, the agency announced on Friday. The updated rules allow agents to continue to inspect information that's stored on the device, but not in the cloud. From now on, they can't copy that information or connect to an external device to analyze the contents unless they have reasonable suspicion of criminal behavior. The new directive instructs agents to demonstrate reasonable suspicion of unlawful activity or show that there is a, quote, national security concern, unquote, in order to conduct advanced searches. Now, also from this article, they give some statistics, which is why this has become such a big issue lately. And so it says CBP agents inspected 30,200 
phones and other devices during the last fiscal year. That's 2017. That's a jump of more than 60% from 2016. Officials stress that those searches represent only a tiny fraction of all arriving in international travelers, just 0.007%, and that they're necessary to combat terrorism, child pornography, and other crimes. So we had a big discussion on this not that long ago. Um, Actually, we've discussed this multiple times with some of our guest interview uh, folks, and I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to those if you miss them. Uh, because if you don't know it, your rights as a U.S. citizen are limited at the U.S. border. Uh, you don't have the same protections you have within the country as you do as when you're crossing the border. Your Fourth Amendment rights against uh, unreasonable search and seizure uh, kind of fall apart at the border. And it's something we really need to address. And there are some folks in Congress that are trying to get that done. So if you see those things come up, you should definitely support them. Um, but... The other thing to consider here is, yes, they're not doing it on that many people, but they're really ramping up what they're doing. And so much of our lives are accessible via these phones. And we talked about this just recently um, with uh, the, the Texas iPhone case and uh, with the, with our guest, Andrew Crocker from the EFF, uh, where we talked at length about what your rights are and, and with regard to this. But when it comes to the border, it's even worse. Um, so anyway, it's it's good that they're trying <laughs> To limit this, but honestly, from the language that I'm hearing here, it, it sounds like it's just kind of hand waving. Um, you know, what, who gets to determine whether or not there's a national security concern, and what does that, what constitutes a national security concern? Uh, and when you're at the border, and some guy looks in the eye and says, "Unlock your phone, and I'm going to take it into this back room and and do something that you can't see to it," you know, what are you going to say? Do you, are you going to challenge him and say, "What's the national security concern"? <laughs> Uh, it's not good. It's not pretty. But anyway, it's it's at least good to know that they're thinking about it and trying to make some steps in these directions, but we've got to go further. All right, a couple more stories. Um, this one's funny. Uh, so apparently uh, some police in Taiwan gave out infected USB drives to the winners of a cybersecurity quiz. So let me... Let me read the article again. This is from a naked security blog. It says uh, the Taiwanese government last month celebrated its crackdown on cybercrime. The national police picked up 250 blank USB drives to give out as prizes at the data security expo hosted by the presidential office on uh, December uh, 11th through 15th. According to the Taipei Times, an employee at a new Taipei City-based contractor transmitted the malware to the drives when testing their storage capacity from his infected workstation. The CBI said after investigating the infection that wound up on 54 of the drives that were handed out to the winners of a quiz about cybersecurity knowledge. Quote, winners of a quiz about cybersecurity knowledge, as in people who hopefully know enough not to plug in random USB drives conveniently scattered throughout the parking lot, but not necessarily those handed on a silver platter at a security expo, unquote. unquote. So that's just funny, just the irony, right? So they, they, they had this thing promoting cybersecurity, and the winners of that, they gave out these free flash drives to, and those flash drives were infected with malware. <laughs> oh, gosh, truth is always stranger than fiction. Uh, the bottom line, obviously, never plug in an unknown flash drive. You don't know where that thing has been. Uh, treat it like food that's been sitting around. Would you pick up, you know, food off the parking lot and eat it? Would you pull it out of the trash and eat it? If someone just gave you food from some unknown place, would you eat it? You know, it, just be thinking of these things like they could have literal viruses on them instead of computer viruses, viruses and you'll get the idea. Uh, these things are dirty. You don't know where they've been. 
if you go to con, you know, conferences and tech shows and whatever, one of the common things they love to give away as swag is these little USB drives. I would never trust such a drive. You don't have any, you have no idea what could be on that thing. Uh, one of the things spies love to do uh, to infect computers is they'll go to if they're like corporate espionage or state espionage, they'll they'll take flash drives and they'll just throw them in parking lots like this, which is what this guy is referring to. Because uh, people see this and they're like, oh, hey, there's a flash drive. And the next thing is, oh, I wonder what's on that. And they'll stick, they'll stick that in your computer and then they're infected. So anyway, a funny article. But uh, the takeaway there is don't trust don't trust flash drives or really, honestly, any USB device you just find laying around or is given as a gift. Because unfortunately, those, those things can hold malware. All right. One last story. And this is actually an old story uh, that has come back into the news uh, that I just found fascinating. And it's. It will lead us into our tip of the week. <laughs> and we all, you know, we're all so concerned about our digital privacy and identity theft and all the things we're doing on the internet that could be tracked and, uh, and found by the bad guys or the government or corporate corporations, you know, peering into your privacy. Uh, but what about the physical trail that we leave? There was a recently updated article from, uh, Oregon from this, uh, I guess a newspaper called Willamette week. Uh, and the original article was published in 2002, uh, and it was just updated recently. And uh, let me read you some excerpts from this because it's it's very it's kind of funny, but it's also very interesting. And, and we're gonna have a good takeaway here from it when we're done. So, Portland cops, and I'm, and this this is probably happening all over the country, by the way. But in this particular art, the article that was written about these Portland cops had gone through people's garbage and recycling without a warrant, trying to find incriminating evidence. And so this. Uh, this crew from Willamette Week decided to test just how uh, committed they were to to that sort of uh, search and seizure. So from the article, we didn't dream up this idea on our own. We got our inspiration from the Portland police back in March. Of course, this is 2002 they're talking about. Back in March, the police swiped the trash of fellow officer Gina Hosley. They didn't ask permission. They didn't ask for a search warrant. They just grabbed it. Their sordid haul, which included a bloody tampon, became the basis for drug charges against her. The news left a lot of Portlanders, including us, scratching our heads. Aren't there rules against this sort of thing? Aren't citizens protected from unreasonable search and seizure by the Fourth Amendment? I'm going to get this. I'm going to butcher this name, but it says the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office doesn't doesn't think so. Prosecutor Mark McDonald says that once you set your garbage out to the curb, it becomes public property. Quote, she placed her garbage can out in the open, open to public view, in the public right of way. Unquote. McDonald told Judge Jean Kerr Marrer earlier this month, quote, there were no signs on the garbage. Do not open. Do not trespass. There was every indication she had relinquished her privacy possessory interest. Unquote. Police Chief Mark Croker uh, echoed this reasoning, quote, most judges have the opinion that once trash is put out, it's trash and abandoned in terms of privacy, unquote. All right. So basically what the cops are saying and the DA and the, all these people are saying is, hey, once you put your garbage out, you're giving it away. That's uh, not private anymore. It's not on your property anymore. It's at your curb. So, hey, we can go through that and do whatever we want with it. Um, so these reporters started thinking, okay, well, let's test that theory. So they decided they were going to go through the garbage of some Portland city officials. In fact, they picked the DA, uh, the chief of police and the mayor. Um, and they, they went over and snuck over to their houses in the middle of the night and they grabbed these guys garbage and recycling and started going through it. And of course, 
once they did this and announced this, the, the those three people, and the reason they picked them was because these three people had been on the record as being public advocates for this for this whole process. They these three people were extremely unhappy. At least two of them were particular. One guy seemed to take it in stride, but uh, two of them were really unhappy, and the mayor in particular was very PO'd. But I thought it was really interesting, kind of a turnaround thing. Um, to express, you know, hey, you know, what if this happened to you? Are you sure you really want to be behind this kind of a policy? So um, anyway, the article goes on and on. It's really a long, interesting read. I'll put it in the show notes. I encourage you to go check it out. Um, I didn't even read it all because it's a very long article. But at some point they walk through, you know, kind of the background of what these, uh, the, the history of these particularly three people, how they supported this concept and then how they reacted uh, when they, you know, came out and dumped their garbage on the table and said, here's all the stuff we found in your garbage. Uh, and it's just interesting to see. And they actually go through all the things they found. turns out there was really nothing, you know, truly salacious or anything that they found, but these people got really upset and they got, they probably got really worried because they were thinking, Oh my God, what is in there? Because they hadn't thought about it. And like most people don't, they just pitch it. And uh, so anyway, they got a little taste of their own medicine. Now, this article was just updated uh, last December. So the upshot of this particular article was that, and the reason it was updated is because on December 10th uh, last year, uh, a local judge ruled that this was actually unconstitutional. Uh, of course, it's yet to be challenged and uh, that story is still unfolding. So the really more interesting part of this to me is for people to be thinking about what they're doing uh, when they're throwing things away. Let me, uh, and then tying this to kind of the broader notion of what we're doing in this country uh, in terms of relinquishing privacy and supposedly uh, to improve security. So let me read one little uh, last thing from this article, and then uh, we'll move on to the tip of the week. Remember, as I read this, that a lot of this was uh, originally written back in 2002 during the Bush era. So here we go. The government is essentially going through your trash every day, says Evan Hendricks, publisher of Privacy Times, a Washington, D.C. newsletter. They just don't have to get their hands dirty. In the last 16 months, thanks to measures contained in the Patriot Act, the Homeland Security Act, and the creation of the Total Information Awareness Office, our government has turned into a bad Oliver Stone movie, you know, where a cabal of conservative spooks takes over and suddenly Big Brother is in charge. No one, uh, no longer do the feds need to meet the evidentiary standard of probable cause to initiate an investigation or start amassing information on you, nor do they need to show any evidence of a link to terrorism. All they need to do, in short, is say that you are suspicious. They don't need to tell a judge why. This administration really represents a combination of McCarthyism and Reaganism. Though they're not chasing communists, they're chasing people they call terrorists, says Hendricks. They're expanding their power and intimidating people to sort of go along or be afraid of being accused of being soft on terrorism. And let's face it, I mean, that, that, that was written in 2002 and things really haven't changed. Uh, if anything, I might argue they've gotten worse or in a, in a sense they've kind of gone underground. It's they're, they're, I, It seems like they're trying to do these things in a less offensive way, but they're still doing them. Uh, and it's really is kind of like McCarthyism if you think about it. Um, except now we're the, the, the boogeyman is terrorists and, uh, in the name of stopping quote unquote terrorism and what is, you know, what constitutes terrorism is a fluid definition as well. You know, our government has stepped over all sorts of lines uh, and backtracked on all sorts of basic privacy and, and human rights stuff in order to, have carte blanche in, 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 in investigating these things and trying to find the quote unquote bad guys. 
So anyway, on this particular case, uh, you, uh, it's worth noting uh, again, from the article, it says, quote, the U.S. Supreme Court has held that the Constitution gives you no privacy rights over your garbage, but individual state constitutions can offer more stringent privacy rights. Uh, warrantless trash searches by police are not legal in Vermont and New Jersey, unquote. That's all, that's all the states it mentions. I'm, God, I would hope it's better than that. But uh, anyway, you might be interested to look into your, your own local laws on that and see, you know, how, how private is your trash? Can the, can the authorities go through it if they want to? All right. And probably unsurprisingly, this leads to our tip of the week. And that tip of the week is buy yourself a shredder. <laughs> Uh, so it's not just about protecting your privacy. It's certainly not always against Big Brother, but it's also an identity theft thing. Uh, this is the old identity theft was done this way, right? Before computers and internet were quite as ubiquitous. If I wanted to pretend to be you, now of course I have to, you know, unlike the internet, I actually have to be physically at your home to go through your garbage. So that that you know reduces the amount of people that can be doing it. Uh, unlike on the internet, where you know billions of people are on the internet all the time, and if you're unprotected, you're subject to the search of potentially billions of people. So there is that. But uh, I think we, you know, this is something that we often forget about or overlook when, when we think about identity theft or and think about privacy today. We're so concerned about digital stuff. We don't think about analog stuff, uh, physical stuff. So uh, I've, I've used a shredder for years. And uh, there's, if you stop and think about all the things that you throw away that has potentially interesting information for authorities or snoopy people or identity theft, uh, identity thieves. Um, there's quite a bit. Uh, I looked up a few articles on this, and here's here's just a short list uh, of the things that uh, these these various articles recommended that you uh, that you shred. Uh, some of these will be obvious, and some of them might not be. Uh, so let's start. The, so utility bills, uh, medical bills and statements, uh, purchase receipts, ATM receipts, bank, credit card, and investing statements, voided or canceled checks. Pay stubs, tax documents, birth and death certificates, social security cards. If you get yourself a new card or uh, for some reason you want to get rid of your old one, certainly shred that. Uh, any legal documents, uh, obviously wills, power of attorney, but also things like marriage licenses and other things like that. Uh, if you happen to be throwing those away, maybe you scan them and you want to get rid of the originals or you've updated copies or something, you know, most people keep those things, but if for some reason you're getting rid of them, maybe someone in your family has passed, you're going through their documents. Uh, these are things that you should certainly be shredding. Uh, the list goes on, uh, insurance documents and insurance statements, like your home insurance and car insurance. When you get those, you know, every six months or 12 months statements, make sure you shred those, uh, expired passports. If you don't keep them, uh, I like to keep mine cause I call it kind of, it's kind of a history of where I've been. Um, but if you certainly, uh, if you were going to pitch them, shred it resumes, used airline tickets, uh, there are barcodes and things on those, uh, airline tickets that contain lots of information. And it's actually easy to read. Uh, that's why you should never throw those away. Uh, even at the airport. So if you're, you know, if you're done with your ticket or your boarding pass, don't throw that away. Those, those, uh, UPC codes, uh, those, those, uh, those barcodes that are on there actually contain lots of information on it that, that could be used after the fact, um, so don't just throw those away, bring them home, shred them, um, signed contracts. That would be pretty obvious. Uh, some of the things that I've added to this list that, that, that I shred, make sure I shred any prescription information or labels. And I know this seems probably over the top, but you know, you know, my, it's, my, it's, it's all part of my medical history. So when I get prescriptions from the pharmacy, I will shred any information that comes with that, that talks about what meds I'm on. Uh, I will even cut the labels off my bottles and shred the labels and, and not just pitch the bottles with the labels on them. 
uh, credit cards. Uh, and uh, if you've got old credit cards that are either, you know, either broken or they're worn out and you get a new one in the mail, make sure you shred your old one. And I do mean shred. Uh, shred your old card. Uh, loan offers. When you get loan offers in the mail or credit card offers, um, those letters can often, if you just pitch them, they can be taken by somebody else and identity thieves can use those things that are sent to you uh, to try to get credit in your name. Uh, so that's bad. So make sure when you get those credit card offers in the mail uh, or loan offers or insurance offers or whatever, you know, just sign here and mail back, you know, shred those. Uh, your Any old credit cards or ID cards uh, that you have that you want to pitch, make sure you shred those. Data CDs. So if you've got old, you know, we don't do this much anymore, but you've got, you know, CD-ROMs or CDs, uh, writable CDs sitting around that have uh, old files and stuff on them. You can shred those as well, believe it or not. Um which kind of leads me to the last part of the tip of the week, and that is what kind of what kind of shredder should you buy? Uh, well, you should buy a cross-cut shredder, and that, most of them are this way now. Uh, the old shredders, you know, were just the long strips of paper or whatever, right? And that's not nearly good enough. Um, doesn't take much effort to actually go and put those things back together. So the modern ones that really do a good job are cross-cut. So they, they, you know, they cut in the strips, and then they cut across those strips to make little, like, confetti pieces, right? So you need a cross-cut shredder for sure. Uh, and you can buy, because I have one, um, you can buy uh, shredders that will not only shred paper, but they'll also shred CDs and credit cards. Mine has a couple different slots all in the middle of it where I can stick little things like credit cards and it'll shred a credit card. Uh, I can strict, I, I can put in CDs one at a time and it will crunkle them all up. It sounds awful. <laughs> it's, it like makes a god awful noise when they do it, but it they come out shredded and that cannot be re- read by any computer. Um so get yourself a good cross-cut shredder. They, they will cost some money. You can find them on sale, but, you know, go to Staples. I think I got a Staples special on mine. Um, uh, you can get it for a reasonable price and uh, shred that stuff. Just get in the habit. Instead of pitching it, shred it. Um, you know, I will throw away the envelope uh, or recycle the envelope, but shred the contents uh, is often what I do. So as I'm going through the mail every day and I'm getting these credit card offers or statements that I don't care about because I've got them online and I don't care about the paper versions, I'll shred the statement and I'll and I'll... Uh, recycle the paper. And there you have it. Another informative episode of Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. Had some fun stories today. Uh, we've got another interview coming up soon. I have a uh, bring back Nick Weaver, who's a um, security researcher and lecturer at Berkeley. And we have a fun discussion about Bitcoin. I finally got somebody on the record to talk to me about Bitcoin. And so we can explain a little better about what that stuff is and how it works. Uh, and he's got some really interesting perspectives on that. So stay, stay tuned. That interview will be coming out soon. Uh, and of course, every week we'll have the normal news of the week and our tip. So tune in next week for that. And uh, you'll, the interview show will be dropping sometime soon as well. Hope everyone's having a good new year so far. And until next week, don't get caught with your drawbridge strap. Take care.